welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. If I've done my research well for this conversation with today's guest, there may be two themes that run throughout the episode. Firstly, music. In my own life, music has always been present, whether it helps me get the housework done or accompanies me on a road trip, or quietly eases me into sleep each night. Many of you know I had a career in elder care, and music was always a mainstay. Whether it was the Sunday morning songs of faith, or a rowdy pub night with songs from their youth. And then secondly, introverts. My guest is a self-professed introvert, but has had a number of public-facing roles. I'll be sure to get her explanation of that, but I will admit I self-identify as an introvert while at the same time, I have had my fair share of being in front of a crowd. I might need to do more research on ambiverts, but back to music. Sharon is a live entertainer, a voiceover artist, a podcast creator, host, producer, and the designer slash songwriter of Smile Song Arts, what is it? Smile Songs Art and Wearables. Sharon Glassman, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Agnes, thanks so much for having me on and go introverts who are public facing. It's a great group of individuals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say you, you've got quite the history for an introvert. Tell us how a New York fashion writer became the you that I'm speaking with today. Well, <laughs> the journey, I, you can tell that I was making a pause. I've always been an introvert. I didn't have the word for it. And I've always been a very curious person who believes in the power of stories and the arts to share joy. And that's kind of a push me, pull you kind of existence. When I was in New York City, I was passionate about finding out how fashion worked. Why did certain colors make us happy? What was the history of high heels? Why did certain designs make us feel empowered? And to do that, I needed to interview people. And that's where the introverted part of me literally hid in the bathroom and called people on a landline while hiding in my own home because I was so terrified of interviewing. What happened at that point was I started telling stories on stage and they were reported stories on topics I found very important and I felt would help people feel more connected. I would interview people about their love stories. I would do a piece about women in science over the centuries. And there was something, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, there was something about me being on stage that felt a lot less scary than me picking up the phone and interviewing someone one-on-one. And that's when my path began to incorporate adding music and eventually creating greeting cards, stickers, wall art, that play songs that I handcraft to amplify designs and messages that help people feel loved for their best self. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting with the storytelling. And just as you were talking there, I was wondering that, you know, it's like the old story of an introvert who puts on a mask and they can do everything on Broadway. But perhaps because you were telling other people's stories and not your own. And same, you know, like uh, my public facing roles have been, you know, in a teaching position or something like that. So, so you're not just out there bearing your soul to the world, which we would just rather crawl into a hole and die than do that. Now, I must admit, I'm going to embellish on one of your stories because somewhere along the way in my research, I did either read or hear that you do some of your interviews standing in your bathtub. Yes. So that would be the bathroom (laughs) part. That would be the hiding while interviewing the fashion designer kind of people. And that would be in my one bedroom apartment back in New York. And I think I did say bathtub, but the more I thought about it, it was a great visual. I think more honestly, it was locked in the bathroom because I can't imagine looking back in time that my New York City apartment was lucky enough to have a bathtub. But it was that idea of creating a safe place, which is hilarious because there was no one else there. But we do things, you know, brains are interesting. Brains sort of do what we tell them. And I think by locking myself in the bathroom with the cord running under the door, somehow my brain was told, okay, nobody can see you if you embarrass yourself. It makes no sense, and yet it works. It was a good hack. I think it was a hack before I knew what the word hacks were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interestingly, too, I mean, you do voiceover. I took a voiceover course, and apparently the bathroom is a really good room because it is nice and small. You can't lose your your voice to the abyss sort of thing. So, um, yeah, the the instructor actually talked about the difference between sitting in a wide-open room, sitting in the bathroom, and then sitting in the bathroom with a blanket over his head. And, I mean, he was a very successful voiceover artist. So, yeah, it's interesting that uh, you intuitively perhaps did that. It does work. And I will add that many years later here in Colorado, before COVID, I did a series called the Tiny Bathroom Concert Series, where I invited other performing artists and creatives into my bathroom. See, that is a theme. I didn't realize this, Agnes, <laughs> until we started talking about it. But I literally did a live music series in the bathroom for that very reason. The uh, sound was terrific. The light was great because I was recording it for YouTube. It's still up there. Some really fascinating people. And I had a really acclaimed Irish uh, Celtic fiddle player Uh, who came and performed in the bathroom and the sound was glorious. It was something that I couldn't have done without a lot of mics in a bigger room. So absolutely. And I've not tried putting the blanket over my head, but I can understand why that works as well in terms of damping the sound. It's really a great idea. And it's a heck of a lot cheaper than all those padded panels that they put up. Oh, yes. So. Okay, well, that just skewed off into left field, but that's great. We just taught people some of the basic rules of voiceover. Um, (laughs) I want to talk about storytelling for just a moment because it is, it's so personal having, I just mentioned I had a career in elder care and so many of those people had the most interesting lives. Oh my goodness. And yet they just thought it didn't matter. It was just like, no, it's just life. Um, Whereas stories just, you know, and especially in indigenous cultures, they know that they know that the story needs the only way for those people to live on is through story. Can you just talk about storytelling? like your own feelings about it? Absolutely. I mean, you just brought to mind the first line of uh, David Copperfield to me, which is, and I'll paraphrase, is whether I shall prove to be the hero of my own story, only time will tell, which is one point of view. And then you're bringing up the beautiful, more collective idea of story bringing us together. 
and you mentioned in indigenous cultures and also another example that pops up for me and that has really launched everything I do, I think, is the beginning of Boccaccio's Decameron. And we heard a lot about this during the pandemic and the opening lines are, it's a human thing to comfort people who are suffering. And the narrator goes on to say, and for those of us who have been comforted by another story, it is up to us to tell a story to comfort others. And I'm again, paraphrasing the Italian. And that's really what launched what I've been doing really since the 90s. I, re- I found that line and I thought, this is so true that hearing someone's story, A, can help us feel less alone in times when we feel perhaps we're the only person going through something, right? Something either tragic or joyful. And also can entertain us, can divert us, can offer us a lesson through someone else's life experience. And to your point about elder care, the stories of people who have lived through things and with things are so important and so powerful and really can help us. But I don't know for a lot of us in the sort of modern world, if we have those intergenerational families where those stories can be passed down, we have more, especially today with social media, the soundbite story where it's 15 seconds. And I wonder, sometimes those can really help us. And other times we may need more and more of them to get that feeling of togetherness. Yeah. And I noticed that, you know, like with the, with the women in elder care is some of them were like groundbreakers. They were the first in their field. They created systems that we just take for granted today. And they, again, they didn't think they had done anything. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, and I would say to them, like, are you serious? You are my role model. And, you know, like my daughters now don't even think twice about some of the things that these women helped create. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. I do have a 12-year-old grandson and I do tell him stories. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) What I was hearing also when you were talking about the women saying that they didn't think that their stories were impressive is the different things that we imagine are valued that cultures value and the different things that cultures seem to place value upon. So I'm thinking of of the the shiny glittery object kind of success, which is awesome. You look at people on stage, you look at someone like Lady Gaga, who is remarkable and amazing, who has one kind of pioneering groundbreaking success. And I think as a culture, we understand those to be successes. And then there are the powerful, less, publicly celebrated successes that could make life better for millions of people or dozens of people or even one person and may not get the same attention and respect just because of how we focus in a media uh, driven culture or a culture that thinks that more or bigger is better as opposed to more intimate also being amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And as women, if we have raised contributing children (laughs) then that's a huge success as well so I mean you just look at the successes and they don't have to be those massive great things Uh, every day we have something somewhere in our lives so okay music you started as a child I take it I did I started playing violin probably around the age of nine or ten started playing guitar probably around the age of ten or eleven and was singing, but singing in kind of school musicals without really thinking about it. And it's interesting. It kind of dovetails with what you're talking about, about what is success 
where do we find our own success? For many years, although I deeply loved doing those things, and I think was proficient, certainly, at them, I didn't feel that I could pursue those things, given what was expe- I felt was expected of me to be a professional and find success in that path. So it took me many, many years before I was able to circle back and first, a little surreptitiously, perhaps, begin adding music into the stage stories that I was traveling around the country and telling, and then stepping forward to become a singer-songwriter, and then really stepping into, I feel, my true career and calling, crafting songs on th- on sort of products that sing to help people feel loved and seen for their best self. It brought together everything I believed in and something I'd always wanted to do, but hadn't given myself myself permission to do until that point. You wonder too, I have a, a parallel story, not with music, but you wonder how many people, young people, children are discouraged from something because of some teacher. And then, you know, like 20, 30 years, maybe even 40 years later, they find out that they, they somehow morph back into it and love it and they're good at it and think, oh, my goodness. So what was yours? You sort of hinted, but you didn't say. Oh, um, just uh, wellness, fitness, I guess, basically. Um, you know, I always felt that I was, you know, not fast. I wasn't agile, whatever. And then um, it was after my third child. It was like, if I become a fitness instructor, <laughs> I have to show up for class. <laughs> and boom, I was fit and lean and healthy and yeah, just, yeah, just crazy. And yet I remember back in high school, just you know, the field hockey team and the running. And it's just like, well, I'm no good at this and I hate it and stuff like that. So anyways, so on your website, it says her lifetime of professional storytelling experience is reflected in the design of every product she creates from adorable graphics to her own unique songs. I'm going to segue into your product, Smile Songs. I was smiling the whole time I was perusing your catalog. Explain what you create. I create musical greeting cards and also stickers that sing and wall art that also sings. And the way that I do it is I use QR codes on my designs. And so when you scan the QR code, you hear a song that I have handcrafted to amplify the good feelings of that design. So I know we don't have visuals here, but I will show Agnes and we'll, we'll describe. So this is a greeting card that has a tall flower growing up toward the sky. And the typography along the stem says, may your bold dreams bloom. When you scan the QR code, you hear a song called may your bold dreams bloom to encourage you or allow you to give a gift of encouragement to someone else for whatever it is that they are hoping to do. And it's getting back to that idea that we're talking about, about all of us having ideas and things that we hope to do at some point. And maybe we just need a word of encouragement or the validation that we're on the right track. And so that's what this is designed to do. Well, and I must say too, that QR code is, is a tiny thing. Like it does not detract from the graphic at all, which is really, really nice. Now, just in case um, the Boomer listeners aren't really familiar with QR codes, do you know how they operate? What, what, how yes. to do that? Yes. So for those of us listening who have not interacted with a QR code or may have seen them but don't really know how they work, a QR code is a square made out of dots. It's the easiest way to describe it. You may have seen it on a piece of mail that you've received. You may have seen it on a big uh, advertisement, a poster. I see them more and more in newspapers. And what they do, they're essentially 
digital maps. So when you open a smartphone or an iPad, you focus the camera as if you would be focusing to take a picture and it reads that group of dots and sends you to another place on the internet. And it could be any place. In my case, it's sending you to an audio player. So when you open your camera, you look at this group of dots, an audio player will come up and begin to sing the song. And what it does is allow me to create a form of happiness that's more like real life, where we hear something and see something beautiful at the same time. Uh, I can go more in depth if we'd like to nerd out about the history of QR codes, which I find personally fascinating, but I want to keep us a little bit on track. But let's just say they were invented in the 1970s to help um, auto manufacturing in Japan be more efficient because scanners could get more information. They're tremendously powerful deliverers of information despite being small they're very mighty well and if you really want to nerd out apparently you can create your own qr code and even get it tattooed on your body or something (laughs) and it will scan it really will Yeah, Yeah. yeah now i must admit when i was trying to figure that out for myself i have an older smartphone and just yes two days ago my daughter and i were out of town and we were looking at it well there's a qr code instead of the menu in the window And so she just opened up her phone and she was telling me about the menu. So when I couldn't do that with my own phone, I messaged her and I said, like, do you just use your camera? Like, what do you do? And she said, yeah, I, I, you know, scan the QR code. And she brought the phone down. And sure enough, in the middle of, you know, scanning the, or just holding it up. I mean, not really, it's not like you scan it, like you have a scanner. Um, You just hold it in front of the QR code and boom, the URL came up and she touched it. And then she actually took my old phone she went into the settings for the camera and touched the button that says scan QR codes. So, and in my case, when I scanned the QR code, the URL came up at the very top. And once again, I just touched it. So um, just if anybody's, I mean, I, I know all sorts of things about computers and things, but obviously that one just never entered my, my life. So that might be just a little tip for our listeners as well. Yes. And I think most cell phones made after 2017 have sort of that native ability. And if they don't, you can always go to the app store and get a little QR code reader. Uh, They're very easy to use and they become fun. It's like, I think I feel this way that when I do something for the first time, I might find it a little off-putting or it may feel complex. And then once I've used it and interacted with it, it becomes fun and easy. And I think that is the case with QR codes they can really lead you to some delightful places and it makes it interactive. Also, one thing I really appreciate hearing from people about my products is they love to put a sticker that sings on a water bottle and then their water bottle sings when they you know, open their camera and put it near the design. So there's a lot of fun to be had and surprising fun. So you can actually put them somewhere and say to someone, hey, check this QR code out, see what it does. So there's a lot of delight. Oh, that's great. And, and I will add too that, um, you know, I think we've all seen those cards that open up and then there's that little mechanical goofy voice that goes, <laughs> and it is so irritating because of course the kid gets it. They just leave it open forevermore until the battery dies. Um, but in the case of you and your QR codes is you hear this beautiful voice singing original lyrics depending on what the card is for or the, or the sticker is for. So it's just so much nicer than those cards with the little wire that trips a mechanical voice. 
So just wanted to. I appreciate you saying that. That is part of the mission is that I'd like to deliver a very personal message to people through music and, and a voice that sounds warm and human as opposed to digitized. And I've heard from numerous people how grateful they are that it plays on demand as opposed to, <laughs> as you're saying, all the time if someone gets it and leaves it open. I had a woman also say she got a sticker and a greeting card for her granddaughter. And when the little granddaughter saw how it worked, she said, eyes wide, giggles, and happy dance. And I thought, what a tremendously wonderful uh, journey that is from not knowing what something is to experiencing it to thinking it's super fun. Like to share that kind of happiness is, it's really my mission. And when it succeeds, it just, it feels so good. Well, especially if it becomes like it, it's a personal thing just for them. It's not like yet another, you know, music piece streaming or something that mom and dad have chosen that 50 billion children are listening to. So where did the whole concept come from of musical art? It came to me from a comment that someone made at one of my live music shows. And we're talking about introverts again. I perform <laughs> in very intimate venues for small groups of people and a person came up to me after the show and said, I love your songs so much. And I love seeing you perform them. If only there was a way I could take you home and put you on my wall so I could hear your songs and see the happiness you create whenever I wanted to do that. And I thought challenge accepted. What a great idea. I don't know what that means yet, but that would be really great. And so I went down some, paths that didn't quite lead to where I am now before discovering the path that I'm on that did lead to where I am now. I thought at one point about making music boxes and was looking into that. And a friend of mine said, I love you and I love your music, but I don't want a wooden music box sitting on a shelf. And she was holding her cell phone. And I thought, right, mobile phones, cell phones are today's music boxes. That's where we go as opposed, and again, to your point, Agnes, you know, you can open the lid and see the ballerina dancing for those of us who know those kind of music boxes. And after a while, that sound gets kind of tinny and old, but here was a way to do something that was very warm and real. And then I just had to figure out how did I make things sing from a smartphone? And that led me to consider a couple options before I realized that QR codes were ubiquitous. Once we understand them, really easy to use and very reliable. And so that's how everything sort of came together. And the move to greeting cards really happened when I understood how powerful and simple and delightful greeting cards are. And then we can send them in the mail and send them across the world and how much people love to get mail, mail that matters. Yeah. And, and I always will say too, the other thing I discovered in snooping all over your website is that some of the songs are I don't know 47 seconds some of them are like three minutes and it was there a couple that were like 18 minutes or something it was no I, I hope not <laughs> I think that, I know I don't think so okay maybe maybe we're, not that. I, yeah <laughs> but, I, and, but at maybe. least there was there was, there was some that were a few um yes, in the several minutes well, a minute some odd like minute 20 I think is the shortest to about three minutes eight and there might be like three minutes and 30 but kind of in that realm of somewhere between a jaunty jingle and a pop song somewhere somewhere in that length depending on what the message is and what feels right for that product but in that in that zone for sure well and just speaking going back to children and creating joy is I know my own granddaughters 
if they received one of those and, you know, mom used the smartphone, you know, the song a couple of times, they would only need a couple of times and they'd just be wandering around the house singing them, the songs themselves, you know, and, and what a great feeling to actually just look at something on the fridge or a card and be able to sing the, song, the songs themselves, you know, just in terms of bringing, bringing joy. Thank you for saying that. It's something that really means a lot to me because I've heard that from people saying, I got the card, my young child began to hear it, and now they're singing the song and loving it and dancing around. And that idea of sharing happiness, and again, across generations or to families or groups of people or individuals of all ages is really the mission of Smile Songs is to create joy, shareable joy. Do you do commission work by any chance? I do. I work with companies to customize a design that might feature their logo. I also can create custom wedding songs and also custom projects from scratch uh, if the scale is aligned with that, just because it is it's a significant project. But absolutely, I come from a creative services background and I love working with people and companies to carry that message through that makes them special to the people that they want to reach. I just had a great idea and you're welcome to have it is um, have that QR code on the wine glass at the, at the wedding. Everybody gets to take it home with whatever the a beautiful song is for the couple. There you go. I love that. I have been talking to people about doing it on place cards, but I love the idea of, of a, a glass is absolutely lovely. What a great idea. That sounds, I, I, weddings are a happy place for me because I feel like, again, having a custom love song or a song that t- tells that love story is so important and, and valuable in the moment, but then as time goes on. But I think that is a tremendous idea. Well, and, and to just, <laughs> we go off on these little tangents, but just recently I heard about, there's some song that so many people use as a wedding song and it's actually like a breakup song or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, the opening lines are like beautiful and lovely and everybody's in love and then, you know, about halfway in, it's like, you know, actually that's, that's the way it was because it's all, all done now. <laughs> wow. That's so interesting. I was not aware of that, but I can totally understand how that would happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So you've got so many pieces to choose from you the cards you got the, the stickers you got the wall art do you have any favorites or, or really hot sellers uh, my best sellers definitely include the bold dreams bloom okay that we had spoken about yeah. and interestingly that's a bestseller in absolutely every category it exists in okay. so it's a bestseller in greeting cards and stickers I do magnets as well and wall art it brings so much happiness a newer design that is doing really well that people really love. And again, I know if you're listening, you can't see this, but if you go to the website, you can see it there if you smilesongs.com is the just be greeting card, which is also a sticker and wall art. And we have the smile songs B as a recurring character. I did a little asking on Instagram to have her named and her name is honeybee. And she's flying against a blue sky surrounded by stars. And underneath it says just be with two E's just be E. And one thing that makes the bees really delightful is I always include little teeny words in the wings. So in this one, it's saying, uh, be who you are in her wings. And at the bottom, we have the QR code and some music notes surrounding it to highlight the fact that it sings. And it sings a song called Just Be. Oh, that's great. And I must say, it's just such a beautiful, simple design. Now, you do all the artwork, too, do you? I do. 
That's crazy. Okay, there's one card I have to ask you about because I heard you speaking about it. And I'll give you a hint. My grandson was born on December 25th. Yes! (laughs) I know which one it is. So this is the winter holiday adjacent birthday card. Happy adjacent birthday to you. I thought it was so good. (laughs) Thank you. I really felt there was a need. And we have several members of my family that share this time of year birthday situation. And I know what it's like to be born somewhere swished between or during Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Solstice, New Year. And that's like what it actually says is like, happy, you know, Solstice, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year adjacent birthday. This time of year is big on holidays and lots of folks can be away, but that doesn't mean your date of birth is any less extraordinary. And it goes on (laughs) to, to reassure you. I released it wondering I was working on instinct there as opposed to, let's say, significant market research. And wow, is it making folks happy for all those reasons, being loved and seen and appreciated. And also having like your fun day be also a swoosh day. And especially to have a birthday on December 25th. I mean, how does that work? <laughs> well, we actually just say happy to have to everybody. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, that it was just I I laughed really hard, and then of course I had to go look for it. So it was it was great. <laughs> okay, you do a lot of other things. You do art. Uh, you sing. You play music publicly. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the other things you do. Because I think it's just great. I mean, for a, an introvert to just do all this entertainment style stuff. Yes, I have a band uh, with my husband and a dear friend of mine that's called the Jamesons, named in honor of a certain whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a funny story. The way that the name happened is when I first moved to Colorado, I got pneumonia. And again, living in Boulder County, I went to see my local naturopath. And she said, well, I have good news and bad news. It's, you know, given the state of your lungs right now, no more beer, no more wine. If you're going to drink anything, you need to drink whiskey, which I had never done. And I was playing in a country rock band at the time as a fiddle player. And someone bought the band of shot of whiskey. And this is how little I knew about how one does this. I had a little shot glass of whiskey and I had my hamburger and French fries and I sipped it <laughs> for the next hour while I <laughs> ate my meal. And the band was like, yeah, you really were a classical musician. We're <laughs> you know, a rock and roller. But over time, I started my own band and began to have songs, not, not smile song songs, but other songs that make folks feel really happy. And we play around. We're opening a bluegrass festival up in the mountains uh, in the beginning of August. And that's a really fun project. And it breaks out in different ways as a duo and a trio. And the MO is really bluegrass infused Americana, making people feel joyful one song at a time. Oh, that sounds so good. And I, and I will once again, reassure our listeners that you don't have that whiskey, smoky bar voice. You've got a beautiful voice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Now, what other art do you do? Like, as I said, there was so many sketches that are just, I don't, they're so simple, but so beautiful on, on the pieces I looked at. Thank you. Yes, I do. I design all the art using graphic, I mix a graphic design and hand illustration. I was painting a lot of thank you notes for people for projects that I was doing. Uh, so that's another fun way that I, I get art out there. But I will say that now with Smile Songs is my primary focus. The art I'm doing and the music I'm doing is mostly focused on smile songs which feels great because there's a lot of categories that still I want to be able to address 
and birthdays are absolutely one of them and holiday. So there's always more to be done there. But it's such a joyful experience to wake up in the morning and say, gosh, I need to get to work and design another piece of art or write another song and produce it. It's the best job in the world. Well, and I, I would think too, knowing that you're creating happy stuff. So, you know, like you aren't out there just crying the blues about, you know, like your truck broke down and your horse ran away and stuff like that. Yes, I'm more of the truck got fixed and the horse came home <laughs> of, of optimism. I, I do feel that I am by nature an optimist and I do see the glass half full. And I think there's a place for all sorts of points of view, but I really feel that part of my mission is to advocate for the sunny, the hopeful, the compassionate, and the kind. Yeah, I think there's certainly enough of the other out there. So why, why feed into it? You know, And I think it's easy to slide into that frame of mind. So that we have something on your fridge or on the counter that you can just scan with your QR code and, and brighten your, your own mood and life. That's great. Yeah. yeah, literally, I think being creating a product that lets people have their walls sing to them has been so much fun because it obviously it has a lighthearted entertaining sense to it, which is really important to me, but also on the days that we're feeling down and we all have them and they're not, they're normal and natural and feeling down is okay. But if you do want some encouragement to be able to turn to your wall, scan a QR code and have a song that will lift you up adds another dimension, I think to the helpfulness of my products and that's also part of my mission, to be of help and be of service. Yeah. If you want another one of my awesome ideas, you should create some sort of app that feeds into the wake-up alarm on your phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Our, if you're looking for a job, we all need is funding. Well, no, you're just talking about, genius. You're talking about the bright things. And my wake-up alarm is birdsong. So, you know, because it's so nice because if it's pulling you out of a deep sleep, it's, it's bird song. It's not something going, meh, 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 you know, so. To, okay, so music, you did as a child. You left for a while. You came back. Did you do art as a child, too? Or was this something that you slid into as you became more artistic in the full spectrum? I did do art as a child. And I'm going to put that experience also in the box labeled, I didn't think I was allowed to really do it. And I'll take some responsibility for that. I think, again, growing up in a modern world where, you know, careers are supposed to look a certain way, it can be challenging to say, oh, I'm going in a different direction. But one of my best memories uh, being a child was illustrating a book that I was writing. You know, I was writing little poems and stories and then drawing the illustrations and adding pieces of uh, construction paper and tinfoil to make like the stars shine and all these things and thinking, yeah this is what I want to do. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would come back to visual arts at different points in my life, almost by happenstance. When I was in college, I covered the living room of my dorm room in manila paper and would draw on it and make my roommates really happy. And one of them was like, you should be an illustrator. And I thought, oh yes, no. I mean, of course I can't do that. Like my heart was saying yes. And my brain was saying you know, that's not, that's not allowed. Who wasn't allowing me? I don't know. When I moved into one of my apartments in New York, I also getting back to that Boccaccio phrase that we were talking about. It's a human thing to come for people who are suffering. 
I painted those words in Italian all over my bathroom walls and surrounded myself with them. I don't know why bathrooms are such a theme in this conversation. <laughs> they, they, they really are. They've been an artistic. I didn't realize what an artistic inspiration they've been for me and illustrated a book for a friend when she was moving out of town, wrote a little story and illustrated it. So it, it was always there and I always loved it, but I think I loved it so much that I could not imagine that it could be real, that this dream could come true for me. And it has. And so that is something I'm very grateful for. Well, and I'm just going to say this, that we, we're talking about you, but for boomer women, you know, as they're approaching retirement or maybe new into retirement and they're sort of feeling like what's next, you know, to really go back and think, what did you enjoy doing as a kid? You know, cause we, as you said, you know, you said to yourself, nope, can't do that for whatever reason, a social expectation, family expectation, whatever. But most boomer women I know, did exactly that. There was expectations around what they would do and they did, they fulfilled those expectations. So now that, you know, maybe the, the nine to five is finished, the children are grown, their time becomes their own to really look at what did you love doing then? And, and is that something you can revisit? I think that's a great idea. And I have a theory as well that, Boomer women may have been a pivot point where we began to say, yes, I'm going to fulfill these expectations and I'm also going to look at what makes me happy. And I think that the generations after have had the gift of people, mothers, sisters, female role models who opened a door and that younger people have walked through it with greater ease, I believe, in generations that followed to say, this is what I want to do. I've been given a certain amount of permission or support or love for that, which I think is also a tremendous gift. And then, yes, to give that gift to ourselves is super important. Well, and I will say, too, once again, as a mother, my children are all in their 30s now. And, you know, like I, I still continue to try to be just a slightly out-of-the-box role model, just because, you know, if I go, you know, like, 10 degrees somewhere, maybe they'll go 30 degrees somewhere in terms of just following your own dreams and following instincts and just all that sort of stuff. So yes, it's a big world out there. It is a big world out there. I was just watching an interview with Lori Anderson on 60 Minutes down here. I don't know if you see it up in Canada, but it was a tremendous interview because definitely a boomer woman who's done things her own way her entire life. And if you look at in her eyes, and she's interviewing, you know, being interviewed on camera, her eyes are so vibrant and sparkly and alive. And she looks so at home with who she is and what she's doing. And I thought, there's an excellent role model for us. And I think we can get to that point at any point. That's the other thing. I, there's, it's never too late to say, oh, yes, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. This is what I really wanted to do. I'd like to have that Laurie Anderson eye sparkle. All of those things are accessible. We just have to take that moment and say, and now I'm going to do it. Just reminding me that not that long ago, I did interview someone and, and she talks about when she's guiding women to a, a happier place, a more fulfilled place. She talks about getting your sparkle back. So uh, it's interesting that you've just used that exact same word. And sparkle, it's great because I think it, it energizes us mm -hmm. as well as reflecting to the world that we're in our happy place. I have a sticker. I was going to 
see if I can find it really quickly for you. But since we're not doing uh, visuals, I'll just describe it. Yeah. It's a sparkly magic wand. I found a company that can make sparkly stickers. Oh, it's so exciting. Sparkles. And it says you are magic. And when you scan the QR code, it sings a song on, on very much this topic, inspiring that idea that you are magic. You have the power in, in a gentle way, but a, a sparkly way. It's super fun. Well, and I think to <laughs> one, one thing leads to another segues into another, but you know, as boomer women, working so hard to be the right role model for our daughters and our granddaughters, but also to never lose that sparkle, you know, so that they do, you know, whether they're curious about like, okay, what's she got up her sleeve because she's got that sparkle or I don't know what she's doing, but I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to work toward the same goal and, you know, cause we're all living longer too. So to, to really, have that vibrant life and surely part of having a vibrant life is what helps you grow older which uh with any luck so yes absolutely yeah i was going to ask you if you had any advice for boomer women who are our audience but i think we've sort of gone there do you ever encounter other boomer women who sort of say oh i love what you do you know i could i could never draw a picture i could never sing a song um I haven't directly heard that, but I know that inner critic and that, that inner critic quite well. I think <laughs> that's, that's something that we, the character that's cast into all of our life stories, perhaps to some degree, and can be really challenging to work with that voice of, I can't, I shouldn't know. And I think the antidote to the inner critic is to say, well, who are you to say that? Like, I didn't hire you. I, I, I actually, again, another product, I have a card and wall art and a sticker that is an antidote for overthinking. <laughs> and it's a little prescription pad design. And one of the tips that it says is fire your inner critic. Like if they're, wor- they're not working for us, I don't believe in a positive way. So just as we might, as the CEOs of our own life might, hire and fire employees to, to help us fulfill our goals. I just feel like fire, fire, you're in a critic. Be like, you know what? Thanks. You stop by. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> Here's your 401k or not, you know, not even two weeks notice. Goodbye. Uh, you maybe already have this product line, but my, my third tip for the day is, <laughs> is um, yes, you can. That's yes, I do. I, I haven't oh, got good. it, but yes, you can, I think is a great idea. And, and it is really <laughs> the message of, Yes. Yes. I would buy that for a number of people. <laughs> That's great. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, that, that inner critic. It's funny that you say about just overthinking. <laughs> I've actually had complete strangers on the phone say to me, Agnes, you know, you're overthinking this. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> okay. Sorry, no, no, go ahead. No. Well, I was going to just defend the flip side of that is that being thoughtful is a superpower and like anything it has degrees it's kind of like eating chocolate and then you know or ice cream for me and then I go oh I sort of took it over into a little bit too much ice cream I'll, t- I'll do it less of the time so I think there's a there's a balance between being thoughtful and introspective and then overthinking and it's it's a delicate balance I I, I know it tips really easily so I empathize with what you're saying I guess is what I want to say yeah 
Well, I, I think if it um, if you overthink to the point where you don't get anything done uh, or you don't move forward, then that's that's the issue. That's the problem there. Yes. So. Okay. Anything we haven't talked about? Um, I don't think so. I think this has been delightful, Agnes. I've loved chatting with you, and I hope your listeners are enjoying our chat. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can get to me through smilesongs.com or like to add my, my little Instagram location in case anyone wants to come say hi. I always, I always put stuff in show notes. So that's great. Perfect. One, one personal question before, um, before we go, if you don't mind, Not at all. you're from New York or you lived in New York. You now live in Colorado. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a bigger extreme in my, that comes instantly to mind. <laughs> Do you ever miss New York? I mean, you you obviously seem happy in Boulder, but do you ever miss big city? I do not. I loved, I was living in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights uh, for the last 15 or 17 years of my time in New York, which is a, just a magical place. I got to run over the Brooklyn bridge every morning. I got to look out on the water at night. I loved my neighbors. I loved every inch of Brooklyn until I was done. And once I was done, I felt life is short. America is large. Let's make a change. And in New York, when people would ask me what my big dream was, I would say a man, a dog, a house in the country would come to mind. I'd be like, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, I live a block from uh, a biodynamic farm or, you know, I turn at the end of my street down there. So I'm, I'm country adjacent. I love where I live. I had my doggie with me until this past fall. She was almost 18 years old and my husband is, you know, a musical partner and uh, we've grown a strawberry together, which is the extent of our both big city people moving to the almost country farming abilities, but we did it. So I would say dreams come true and I love exactly where I am. I'm very happy to be here. That's great. And I think in Canada, a huge percent of our population is really close to the American border. And most of our population do live in cities. And I know for so many of my friends, as they approached retirement, it was like, oh, man, you know, I, I want to get out of the city. And they would really, because they don't know small town life or a smaller town or a small city life. But I did the same thing a number of years ago. Now I had a reason to go to that small, small city. But it, it's, it's so rewarding and you know you do get to know your neighbors and you don't necessarily lock your doors and windows all the time and you walk to the grocery you know that sort of thing yeah much to be said for creating a dream and then following it yeah absolutely absolutely and I think it can be created anywhere you want to be I and strangely I had a very small town life in Brooklyn which is a very big city a part of a very big city and part of it, I think, is a mindset, but then part of it is environmental. Like, I love the fact I took a walk this morning and I was looking up the road and I don't, I caught it just at the perfect moment. And there was no traffic coming the other way and there was no one walking around back to the introvert happy place. <laughs> and I looked around behind me were mountains and across from me was water. And I was like, I just had this perfect moment. I started my day with the perfect moment. And I did have those moments very often in Brooklyn as well. It's just, you know, what is the right place for you at this time? And my own personal note there is I really notice the sound. Like there always seems to be noise in the cities. Whereas out 
just get out of ta- get out of town a bit and you, you can hear the silence which is like for me that's really rewarding and really relaxing and feel like you can breathe and the bird song i heard some of that this morning when i was walking back to your idea the bird song alarm absolutely and how do those sounds create a soundtrack for your mood in your life and there's a lot to be discovered there you go what's this good 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 way to end okay so smilesongs.com yes and you are on social media I'm on social media. My Instagram is smile underscore songs. And I'm venturing onto the TikTok, um, which is smile underscore songs underscore because, because I think somebody else had the other one and it might be me. I think I created it and forgot about <laughs> it. So uh, those are the two places I like to be. They're more uh, video focused. And I started doing a project. I'm not sure when this airs, if it'll still be going on, but I started doing a Tuesday night 5, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time live where I'm playing songs from my products live and showing them and explaining the backstories and I'm inviting guests on and we're having themes. And uh, last week, which I know you won't be able to see because we can't go back in time yet, although maybe it's in the feed, I had a hilarious experience where my music stand that was showing my cards to the audience fell down and I just, in a moment of improv theater, I had my hair up in a bun took a greeting card, stuck it in the bun and secured it with a pen and sang you the song that way. So you'll never know what will happen. <laughs> and either do I, but that's okay. It's where the fun is. <laughs> so that's TikTok, is it? That's on, that's right now is on uh, Instagram. Oh, okay. Uh, supposedly uh, if I get a thousand followers, it will also be on TikTok. But I, right now, as of this recording, it is on Instagram on Tuesdays. Oh, okay, great. Oh, that's good to know. Um, the reason I ask about TikTok is because I chose to not go there because I said, boomer women will never be on TikTok. And I know so many boomers that are on TikTok. It's it's crazy. So so that's great. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're listening to this and if you are on TikTok, please reach out because I'd love to see what you're doing. I find that so exciting. I just find... I love video. I just, I love podcasts. I love, I obviously love audio and video, but creating a conversation on these new platforms, I guess is what excites me. It doesn't really matter what medium it is. It's the message and then connection and community. And again, before we close that little aside saying, yes, you can figure it out. There are so many how-to videos out there. Just if there's something that sounds interesting, whether for yourself or just to keep in touch with what the kids are doing, you can find a how-to video. Okay, that's my last word of wisdom to our listeners. Okay, all the links will be in the show notes. Listeners, if you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening. We can be found at TuneIn or iHeartRadio, Spotify, most places a person would listen to podcasts. If you're listening at the website, twoboomerwomen.com, scroll to the bottom of this page and leave comments. Wherever you are, leave stars and reviews. They help us grow. And before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. And share this episode with a couple of friends who would love to receive a smile song. Well, maybe send a card first so they'll be in awe of your great gift. (laughs) And then share this episode. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, there's an application form at the website. Sharon Glassman, thank you so much for being my guest on Two Boomer Women today and sharing your inspiring story and your inspired gifts. Thank you so much, Agnes. It's been a delight. And thank you to everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week.